Hello and welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. We appreciate you joining us through this podcast. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at lighthousevineyard.church. Thank you once again for joining us and enjoy the message. Um, so today, I'd like to uh, open up our message by telling you a little story from my past. So when I was going to college, I was poor. Do I get an amen? Anybody back there? Yeah, amen. So when I was in college, I didn't have much money. <laughs> yeah. And um, I just had enough money to buy gas you know, and some groceries, but not a lot left over. I drove a 1975 Chevelle Malibu. Here's a picture of one. That was not mine. Mine looked more like this. Here's this, this next one. Yeah, it looked a little more like that. It was light blue, and it was rusty, and uh, it had been in an accident, and I couldn't afford to get it fixed. And so, like, one light shined this way, another light shined that way. You know, I was, I was one of those cars. And um, it, when I, whenever I got gas, I would fill up, you know, the gas tank, and I'd also fill up the oil. You know, you put one or two quarts of oil in it as well. But it got me around. But then one day it broke down and it needed, I don't remember what it needed, an alternator or a water pump or something like that. And so I took it to my uncle's garage. He's a mechanic, my uncle Frank. And so he fixed it up and it was running again, but it had a bill that came with it, like $250 or something like that. And you know, that long ago, 30 years ago or whatever, um, $250 might have been like $25,000. We didn't, just didn't have the money, right? It was a lot of money. And so um, my Uncle Frank you know, let me take the car without paying the bill, which was nice because I didn't have the money. But then over the next weeks and months, I didn't come up with the money then either. And so I started to feel that pressure of, I got to pay off that bill, you know, and I get a bill in the mail, or I get a phone call or something, a reminder. And, and so I just started avoiding my Uncle Frank. You know how that is, right? I mean, I stopped going to family get-togethers, because you know when you owe somebody money, it's just that, that burden on your shoulders, didn't want to see them, didn't want to see him at all. And I liked my Uncle Frank, but I just didn't want to see him. And then one day, my grandma Stoffer paid off my bill. Yeah. That was a glorious day. We just sang about the glorious day. You know, it was a glorious day when my grandma paid off my bill at the gas station, at the mechanic there. And I've never forgotten that. Never forgotten that. Because when we don't have money, you know, life can be hard, right? It can be hard. And when we don't have money, there's very few people in this life that we can count on. But family, family is supposed to be those people that we can count on. And my grandma Stauffer was one of the most generous people that I knew. She was always helping uh, people out financially. I actually named my daughter Anna after my grandma, Anna Stauffer. That was her name. It wasn't because she paid off my bill, <laughs> but it's just because she was that kind of person. She was just generous and uh, was always helping people out. We should be able to count on our family when we're in financial trouble. They know our situation, they know what we really need, and they can hold us accountable. There's even a spiritual obligation to help family out. First Timothy 5.8 says, anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith 
and is worse than an unbeliever. So my grandma didn't have to help me out financially, but I bet she felt an obligation to help me out because I was family. And it was helpful. It really helped me get through a lean season in my life. Now, in the early church, there are actually several examples of the church becoming and acting like a family. Now, they weren't necessarily all related to each other, but they actually called each other brothers and sisters, and they, and they started to act like a biological family. And last week, we read about uh, one of the ways that they helped each other out. They, would, they started like a food pantry and started feeding the, the widows who were poor every day. So they would hand out food to the widows every day. But that's not the only example of the early church doing something like that. In Acts chapter 2, verse 44, it says, All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. So they had everything in common. As if, if they had you know, a couple of horses in the church, well, anyone could use those horses as they needed. Think about that. Or if they had a carriage or a wagon. I'm trying to think of things that they had back then. Today, it might be like a rototiller or a power washer or a mower. You know, they just, they let everyone use it. It became like community things. And even beyond that, they would sell property and houses. The house down by, you know, the lake, the summer house, the summer cottage, they would sell it and take the money and help the poor among them. They were financially invested in each other. Those who had helped out those who didn't have. It was an incredible example of the church really being the family of God. So one of the goals that I have for our church in 2019 is for us to become and act more like a family. That's been a, a high value for me, and, and we've been teaching over the last several weeks about how you know, a family, a church family, will, will pray together, they'll worship together, they'll get together in small groups. Um, you know, it's just been a wonderful time of, of just looking at the early church and seeing how we as Lighthouse Vineyard Church can model that. So as a family, we will have on any given you know, week uh, people within our church body who are finan financially doing well, and then we'll have people in our church body who are financially struggling, right? I mean, it makes sense. And there will be times when those who have will be called by God to help out those who have not. Guys, it's called being the church, being the church, being the family that God has called us to be. So today we're going to be reading a section of scripture out of 1 John that gives us a little more direction on that. We'll be in 1 John chapter 3, uh, verses 16 through 18, and we'll have the Verses up here on the screen, but you're willing to follow along on your Bibles or on your smart device as well. One thing I love about this is many of us have heard of the, the most famous verse in the Bible, which is John 3.16. And it talks about how much God loved us, so much that he laid down his life for us. Well, we're going to be reading 1 John 3.16, which talks a little bit about that. But then it says we should love each other the same way. So I'm going to read this, uh, 1 John 3, 16 through 18. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, 
And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. So today's message is titled, A family that financially cares for each other demonstrates God's love to each other. It's the longest title I've ever created, just so you know. (laughs) Did they get it on the slide? They did. That's impressive. But I couldn't think of another way to say it. I just couldn't think of another way to say it. When we financially care for one another, that's when we have an opportunity to really demonstrate God's love for one another. So I'm going to give you two points on that, how we can begin to care for each other. But let me pray. And then we'll go into those two points. So God, we come to you and I thank you that we live in the most blessed country in the world. I thank you for that, God. And Lord, I I know that when you give us finances, Lord, it is not just for our enjoyment, though part of it is, God. But it's to be a blessing to other people. So Lord, I pray that today that you would loosen up our hearts a little bit, loosen up our hands a little bit, Father, so that we can become even more like your son Jesus, who was so willing to lay down his life and to give his life away. Let us do that, Father. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so you can fill this in on your handout if you would like. I have two points for you. We can begin to care for each other by, number one, allowing our hearts to be moved. Allowing our hearts to be moved. Verse 17 says, if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Has no pity on them. And I love the way it's stated in the NLT version. It says, if someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion How can God's love be in that person? I don't know about you, but for me, this is difficult. This is difficult. Um, When I see someone in financial need, it's not easy for me to start with compassion. It's a lot easier for me to judge the person, to assume that it must be their own fault, and maybe, maybe it is. But in my mind... I quote scriptures like Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8 that say, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. And whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. And I think, you know, they're just reaping what they've sown. It's probably their own fault. That's why they're in trouble. And because of that attitude and that mindset, I tend to dismiss any responsibility that I have to help them. I'm just kind of letting you guys peek into my life. That's how I'm naturally wired. But it's when I'm like that, that God reminds me of other scriptures. Like the next two verses, after 7 and 8, you have verses 9 and 10 that say, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore... As we have opportunity, let us do good to all, all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So if we see someone in need, that's an opportunity 
to do good, especially if they're part of our local church. We're supposed to do good. We're not supposed to dismiss our responsibility when someone's in financial need. Now, this is best done if we let our hearts be affected, right? If we let our emotions get involved, because we're supposed to care for one another. And uh, I think it starts by taking time, taking time to, to listen to their story, to hear what's going on, and then to ask them questions, not just the questions like, well, why are you in this financial state? You know, maybe we're supposed to ask questions like, hey, do, do you have groceries? Do you have transportation? Do you have enough gas to get around? Do you have money to, to go to the laundromat and get your clothes washed? And then ask them questions about how they're feeling. So how is this impacting you? You know, you've been out of a job for a while. Are you, are you feeling depressed? How about the family? How are they doing? Is this impacting the kids? Are they missing out on things at school because you don't have the finances to send them on that field trip? This past Christmas, we were able to um, get nine names of families from Westside Elementary School. Uh, these, we asked for this. We said, are there any families that are in financial need? And uh, so they gave us nine families that the teachers had nominated that said, we, we know these these kids are in financial need, and, and they're probably not going to have a very good Christmas this year. And so then we matched those nine families with nine families here in the church as well. And our families bought their families, all the kids bought them Christmas presents, and then we gave each family a $100 gift card so that they could buy the things that they still needed, some groceries or, or presents or, or whatever. And um, because of their generosity... Those kids had an incredible Christmas this year. They really did. I don't think before our church got involved that many of those parents were looking forward to Christmas. I was able to talk to each family before we connected them with another one, and, and I heard the stories. I heard the stories of um, one, one family had to pay for a funeral of a, a relative, and so they didn't have any money to go into Christmas. And another um, father of a couple of kids said he, he had seasonal work and that was about to end right before Christmas. And so he wasn't going to have any spare money for Christmas. But each family had Christmas this year. And when they went back after Christmas break, there was a buzz that was kind of happening in the school. I heard from the principal and the, the counselor there, and they were pretty excited. And they shared with me that one student shared to his teacher after Christmas break, that this was the first time that his family had ever had a Christmas tree or had stockings filled with candy. How cool is that? See, sometimes we can get caught up in the, why are you in this financial condition? And forget about how they're feeling and, and what they're going through. It wasn't this child's fault that they had never had a Christmas tree before. And I take it for granted because I grew up in a household where we had a Christmas tree every year, we had stockings full of candy, and we had more presents than I probably should have ever had. 
I grew up financially blessed, and I still am today. And God's calling isn't for me to judge those who are not. That's not my calling. So here's a tip for us. Maybe we should stop asking why and start asking how. Not why did you get yourself here, but how can I help? How are you doing? How can I really help you? Because sometimes, guys, sometimes it's more than money. You know, it's more than that. A couple weeks ago, I was on the phone talking to Pastor Stanley from Uganda, Pastor Stanley Lonathan. He watches over 120 children that are in the Dreamland uh, Children's Home, and they're over in northern Uganda right now in a refugee camp. And I was talking to him and saying, hey, is there anything we can do to help? How can we be helpful? And he said, well, let me take some time. I'll talk to our leaders and see if there's some things that we could use at the refugee camp. And so he sent me an email a few days later with a list of things and the the prices for those. And and so I was talking to a church member here who had asked me before. They said, hey, if, if Pastor Stanley ever needs anything, let me know, and I'll see if I can help out. And so I sent the list over to that person, and they were talking, or talking to their spouse about it and thinking about it. And I hadn't gotten back to Pastor Stanley. So on Wednesday morning, I get a phone call from Pastor Stanley. And, and on Wednesday morning, I'm working on my sermon. That's what I typically do, I'm working on my sermon. I, I kind of block it out. I was working on this message. And I try not to you know, do anything else. But Pastor Stanley calls me, and he says, hey, um, Clint, have you guys decided what you're doing, you know, if you're able to help us at all with these things? And I said, well, no, not yet. I haven't finished up those conversations. And he said, well, I'm leaving to go out of uh, town for a couple of weeks on Saturday. So if you're going to help, it'd be great if you could, you could help before then. Well, I've wired money to Uganda before. I know the time that it takes to do all of that. And I've also been at the banks before and the time that it takes to, to get the wire to go through. And that's so painful, just so you know. Um, so anyway... So I stopped what I was doing, and I, and I went ahead and, and did some texting and found out that this couple was willing to help out Pastor Stanley. And so then I got in my car and drove over to the bank and took you know, some time there to get the wire transferred before noon because you, you got to get it wired before noon if you want it to go the same day. And I'll tell you, it was, it was hard for me just to take the time. Can you get that? You know... Because I already had a schedule, but it was really important to Pastor Stanley. And so we were able to get the wire done that day. And then Pastor Stanley sent me back an email thanking me for it. So this is what we were able to do for Pastor Stanley this week, just so you guys know. Um, We sent the money to build a new storage building. They call it a Tuchel over there because they need that to store some of their supplies at the refugee camp. And the rainy season is about to begin, so he wanted to get that started before he left town. We also bought 40 new chairs uh, for their school and for, um, for the children and the church there. Two bales of bed sheets. They buy bed sheets by the bale over there. Okay, I don't understand. Um, a new generator and, and uh, also a motorbike for transportation. Here's a picture of those, too. He sent me pictures of them. So the chairs on top of a car, and there's the generator and the motorcycle. But the reason it was easy for me to stop and, and actually take the time was because 
I've spent a lot of time with Pastor Stanley in the past. I know what's important to him. And it was more important to him that I did things quickly than even what I was doing, because it wasn't going to be very helpful if we sent him money next week. You know, it just wasn't going to help. But this way, we were able to get things done. So understanding how we can really help is important. I love this story. I've read this before in this church. Uh, it's from Acts chapter 3. It's about Peter and John. I'm going to read it. It's a little bit long, but I think it, it talks about trying to find out how we can be the most helpful. So Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. So you get that image. You have a guy who's paralyzed, and his only means of, of having any money is just to beg. And so his friends would take him and just put him down on the ground outside of church. You know, So the people going in and out of church would, would see him and hopefully have some compassion. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he, he asked them for money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. And what I love about that story is that he, he could have given him some money if he had it. I don't know that Peter even had any money, but he could have given him some money. But really what the man needed was a job. That's really what he needed. But in that time, in that day, I mean, they didn't even have wheelchairs. And so he couldn't work if he wanted to. There wasn't any opportunity. So Peter knew what was really keeping him in poverty, and he healed him. He gave him the opportunity to help himself. You've probably heard of this saying before, give a man a fish, feed him for a day, teach a man to fish, and feed him for a lifetime. Peter was giving the paralytic an opportunity to take care of himself. And sometimes, guys, sometimes giving money is the easiest part. I think it would have been easier for Peter just to throw a coin, then to stop what he was doing. And it was probably a, a scene that happened. And then the guy starts jumping around and praising God. But it was, it was incredibly significant because that last piece of that, I just got to share this with you. In that time, someone who was paralyzed wasn't allowed into the temple. They wouldn't let you into the temple. And so this guy had been paralyzed his whole life. And what's the first thing he does? He follows them into the temple for the first time in his life, never been inside the doors, and starts worshiping God. Changed his life. Absolutely changed his life. So we need to take time and hear people's story. Let our hearts get engaged. And yeah, it, it might take more than money to help them out, but it probably will take money as well. So we can begin to care for each other by allowing our hearts to be moved. That's the first step. And then number two, 
We can begin to care for each other by sacrificing what we want. Sacrificing what we want. Verse 16 says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. I'll be honest, guys, I don't really like this point. It's too convicting for me. Because when I've helped people in the past financially, it's usually come out of my surplus. You know, I might give somebody, you know, 20 bucks or something like that, and I don't really feel that. Do you know what I mean? Um, I have, you know, been blessed enough that that, that $20 isn't going to make or break my day. And so I give what's been easy to me. And what the scripture is implying is that, no, it, sh- it should cost us something when we help our brothers and sisters. We should feel it a little bit. I did a little research on this topic in the early church and how they played that out. And I found an ancient writing called The Shepherd of Hermas. And it was talking about the topic of fasting. Fasting is, you know, when you, when you go without food. And so let me read this, because I think this is really interesting, how the, the early church handled fasting. It says, first of all, be on your guard against every evil word and every evil desire and purify your heart from all the vanities of this world. If you guard against these things, your fasting will be perfect. And you will do as follows. Having fulfilled what is written, in the day on which you fast, you will taste nothing but bread and water. And having reckoned up the price of the dishes of that day, which you intended to have eaten, you will give it to a widow or an orphan or to some person in want. And I love that concept of, no, don't just give money out of your surplus, let's go ahead and not eat, all right? So whatever you were going to eat, whatever you would have spent on food, on Taco Bell, on a mocha latte, whatever, instead of spending the money on that, just have bread and water, which really costs you nothing, right? And then take that money and give it to the poor. I mean, you feel that then, right? I mean, I know I would. You know, if, I've, if I'm just having bread and water and, and instead of spending that five bucks on that latte, I'm setting that aside, I would feel that pain. But it would, I think it would matter a little bit more because I would understand it a little bit more. And, and if we did that just one day a week for a month, how much money would we have at the end of the month to give away to help the poor? You can write this down. Financially supporting those in need could cause me some pain. Could cause me some pain. When Jesus laid down his life for us, it cost him. It cost him dearly, and, and it cost him some pain as well. So we can begin to care for each other by sacrificing what we want. I'm going to invite Krista to come back up here. We're going to do things a little bit different uh, to close today. Because like I said earlier, um, at any point in time in, in our church body, we're going to have those people who are financially doing well, and we're going to have some people in the, the church body who are financially struggling a little bit. And right now, each of you knows where you are in that category, right? Everybody here knows 
I'm one that has more than probably what I need or, or, or maybe just enough, or I'm one that's not doing as well for whatever reason, right? And so what I want to do is I want to pray for those who are financially struggling, okay? And I know it's going to take a little bit of swallowing pride to even admit that you're financially in need, but you'll know if it's you because you might have been thinking about money today, you know, on your way in, or you're thinking, how am I going to pay for that? Or how are we going to be able to do that? You know, because you just know financially you're not doing very well. And so what we want to do as a church body is we just want to bless you and not judge you. Does that make sense? We want to be the church body and, and really just pray for one another and care about each other. So if that's you, if, it, if you know that financially you're just in a tough time right now, I would encourage you right now just to go ahead and stand up because we want to pray for you. Anyone that's willing to do that. Thanks, Stan and Jonathan. Yeah. All right. Anybody else? Yeah. Anybody else where you know it's just like, yeah, I'm financially just struggling right now. It takes, I, I, guys, it takes humility to admit that. Anybody else? Okay. All right, so now before we pray for them, because I do want to surround them and pray for them, what I'd like to do as a church body is I would like to bless them financially. All right? And so here's the deal. If you have cash on you and you're planning on using that to go out to eat this afternoon or for whatever reason, and God puts it on your heart to financially give that away and to bless them, I'm going to encourage you to do that right now. To actually just look around and say, is there anyone here that God's put on my heart and I'm going to help them financially? Go ahead. Go ahead. You can move to them right now. And let's just give them more than just our prayers. Let's move. remain standing guys now let's surround them and pray for them all right if you guys would if you're around them just put your hand on their shoulder and let's just pray God we thank you for this family that you are creating
God, we thank you that your love is demonstrated through us as we sacrifice the things that we want for one another. And I thank you for the love that I feel in this place this morning, Lord. Lord, we pray for each person that stood up and is in financial need. God, I pray that you would meet their needs, Lord, that you would find a way to meet their needs, Father. I pray that any of the money that they receive, that it would be just multiplied, God, that you would take away expenses and that you would just increase their ability to make money and their financial blessings, God. And I pray, God, that through this simple exercise that we did today, that you would loosen up our grip on money, that we wouldn't hang on to it and worship it so much, that it would be a means to blessing others, God. Lord, I pray that Lighthouse Vineyard Church would be known as a generous church, God. So bless our socks off financially, not so that we can just play with it, but that we can give it away. Your word is true, Lord. And when we bless others, we too will be blessed. So God, we praise you and we worship you and we thank you for what you have done in this church today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Everybody would just remain standing or just everybody stand up for a closing prayer. And for those of you that, that stood up, thank you for being humble enough to do that. I know it's not easy to do that, but thank you for doing that. Um, if there's anything we can pray for you about, we do have a prayer team that's up here after service. No matter what's going on in your life, you know, let us pray for you. Just come on up and sit in the front row and let the prayer team pray with you. But let's be the church this week, okay? Let's, let's be a blessing to those around us, all right? Let me pray. So God, I pray that we would leave this place forever in your debt, Father, and that we would be generous with what we have, our time, our, our heart, our emotions, God, our skill sets, Lord, and that we would be willing to just give it away to those in need, Father. Just like your son Jesus did when he died on the cross. He was only 33. He had a lot of life left, but he was willing to lay it down because it makes the world a difference for each one of us. The Lord, let us emulate that kind of sacrifice. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Thanks for being here today, guys. Let's go be the church.